Hey, Jacob. Hey, Mike. You want to hear a joke? Yes. What's red and invisible? <laughs> what? No tomatoes. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's a hella interesting joke, which is perfect because this is Hella Interesting People, the podcast. Welcome to Hella Interesting People, everybody. My name is Mike Ruby. And I'm Jacob Rubin. And today we are interviewing somebody with an incredibly unique career. Yeah. She's a mermaid. She's a professional mermaid. Yeah, literally. That's, yeah. And we're going to learn more about it in the talk with her, but her day job, or I guess a lot of it is at night, she works at a bar where they have this big fucking saltwater tank, and yeah. she swims around in a mermaid costume for people's entertainment. Yeah. But not only that, she's pretty immersed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was that on purpose? No, it wasn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's pretty immersed in the mermaid culture, which is also very much a thing. Yeah. And I don't even want to try to explain it more because she explains it so eloquently. Mm -hmm. But it's a thing, and we learned a lot about it. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you yeah there, i mean as as i don't have to tell you people that there's so many interesting and diverse and unique subcultures around the world and yeah you there's so many different people who look at mermaids and the the thing that they get out of mermaids and the the, the way that they identify with them and idolize them is so interesting and cool and it's yeah it i never thought until entering this world in the very very light get my toe in the water way that i did that one was on purpose. Yes. Uh, and they don't have to that's, that's rude to say to mermaids. They don't have toes. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it, I, I was fascinated by it. And what's cool is that, like, it's not just like, oh, she dresses up as a mermaid, but her day job is X. No, her, her full career is mermaid shit. Mermaiding. Yeah. Mer mermaidery. Mermaidery, yeah. <laughs> Mermaidosity. That's awesome. And we do draw the comparison to furries, which I was reluctant to do because obviously it's a completely different subculture. I, I wouldn't say completely. I would say different, but I wouldn't say completely different. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Right. So I, I have I have what was almost a cool story about being at a furry convention. Like I was in this band. Oh my God, and, I forgot about this. Yeah, and we played the Washington, D.C. furry convention. And I thought, like, this shit is going to be wild. Yeah. Like, there's going to be people dressed as squirrels, like, banging to our music, and it's going to be great. Right. That's not what happened. Like, it's we not. played a set, and basically, like, a handful of polite people wearing animal costumes just sat there, and were like, okay, yeah, this is, this is not really what we wanted out of this convention, but good job. They applauded after every song. It was, like, really... It was so underwhelming. I'm like, right. this wasn't the debaucherous festival of furries that I thought it would be. Yeah. I, I have a good friend. We, we don't chat as much anymore, but I, I, he's still a good friend uh, who is, is a very much a furry. He goes to, he for a while was going to lots of conventions and that's how we knew a lot of friends. And yeah, there, it, like there is a, I, I'd say with any subculture, a sexual aspect to it, but that's not really just what it is. It's kind of about like identity and uh, what you think is cool. And it, it, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like, Fucking cartoon animals, like the way that you can sort of empathize with with um, Uncle Scrooge and uh, Baloo from Tailspin and whatnot, and the Fox and the Hound, in a way that you, you might not be able to relate to like a human cartoon. Those were interesting choices for examples of cartoons. I don't know. Yeah, that was the first three that I thought. I of. don't mean that in a judgy way, but just like, how do I identify with Uncle Scrooge? Like, I don't have a pool filled with money. Right. That I. I don't have three nephews. I just, I just like DuckTales a lot. I don't know. Wait, so Huey, Dewey, and Louie, those are the nephews. Oh, yeah, because Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. Right. Well, he's, he's, their, he's Donald's uncle. He's Huey, Dewey, and Louie's great uncle. Oh, okay. My yeah. bad. But, I mean, you know, you don't call your great uncle your great uncle. You call him your uncle. Your grunkle. Your grunkle, yeah. Oh, that's that's another Disney thing. Yeah, Grunkle Stan from Gravity Falls. Wait, really? Yeah, that, that was, it's, it's a... Um, very good recent Disney Channel cartoon that's about, it's kind of like, if this isn't quite accurate, but it's, it's kind of like uh, Twin Peaks for children. Like it's this okay. weird, freaky, mystery, mysterious town in rural Washington state. And these twins, Dipper and Mabel, go to live with their grunkle Stan who runs a tourist trap called the Mystery Spot that's like got hokey illusions and whatnot. And then actual weird paranormal shit starts happening in the town and they investigate. And it's really cute and silly. And Kristen Shaw plays Mabel and she's doing the best, some of the best voice acting work of her career. Only two seasons. Check it out on Disney+. Plus. I don't know why I'm advertising fucking a cartoon. 
Right. You're you're like a Disney spokesperson. You're really into it's Disney. funny that you bring because like the beginning of this interview. So this interview was supposed to be one week, but due to a miscommunication, um, Rachel was at Disneyland during the actual what we thought was the time. So we bumped it a week, but it's yeah, and it's all good. But so the beginning of the interview is us talking about our mutual passion for Disneyland and what the park is like now. Post you know, uh, closing no for trip COVID to Disneyland is a fuck. Up. Um, yeah, it's one of our favorite favorite things. So if you came here for Disneyland material, which I know you did, this is the episode for you. Until we have on someone who works there or something. I haven't been to Disneyland in years. I think I was there with you last. That's time. the last time you went. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been since. It I, was dope. The last two times I've been were with you. Oh, wild! Oh my god! Yeah, like ages ago. Well, because. I don't. I, could, I can't think of a better person to go to Disneyland with. Cause, like you wrote a fucking guide yeah, to Disneyland. I did. Like, and so it was great. I didn't have to think about anything. You were just like, okay, this time we're gonna get fast passes for this. And then we're gonna go here. And then we're gonna go here. It was just like I just got whisked away all day uh, into Disneyland. Yeah, were, if, it was if, great. If you want the guide, hit me up. I haven't like put it out anywhere, but I'll give it to anyone who wants. And I update it constantly. I don't. I I update it so frequently. Every time I go, I make like slight changes because the park, like Walt's. Unique original vision, Disneyland will never be finished, which means my guide will never be finished because there's always new shit. There's a Star Wars ride I haven't gone on yet. Mm. So I, I, and I, I haven't been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars themed land, enough to really have an opinion on it, to know like how to rank it um, with everything else. So yeah, at, at some point in a year or two, you'll get the most updated. I kind of want to make an app so I could just, oh, you have to download the update. <laughs> that, would, that would be sweet. That'd be cool, yeah. That'd be really awesome. But yeah, if, if you want the guide, hit me up. I'll give you it in its current state. Um, so let's jump in. Let's dive in, if <laughs> you will, to our interview with Rachel Smith, Professional Mermaid. Enjoy, everybody. Sorry about my confusion last week. I was like in Disneyland and Jacob messaged me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm still. (laughs) (laughs) How was Disneyland? Um, I mean like really awesome, but also weird, right? Like it, which was sort of one of the reasons I think my dad especially wanted to go was to like see how they would like do all the things. so is it, do they really, you know, apply social distancing in that setting? I mean, the lines are, but it's also like a bit frustrating because the like when you're just in the park, you are really like around people still. And like, it feels a bit crowded because the lines are all outside. Like they can't have anybody queued like inside a space. So like, oh, so like Indiana Jones and like, Roger Rabbit, it's all, okay. Oh man, for Roger Rabbit, they don't even have an outside area. No, they don't. Like we were around the fountain, you know, like Roger's little fountain there, like we curled around that. So yeah, they can't have you like waiting inside at all, Um, which is a bummer because like, I don't really even like the Roger Rabbit ride. I like, like the queue when you go through the like. Well, that's the thing with some of these Disneyland attractions, like they know the lines are gonna be huge. And so they make them these like interactive exhibits, basically. Yeah. And like, like Star somebody, Tours and uh, um, Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, they have all this stuff. Yeah. No. And I'm sure Rise of the Resistance, they have stuff. I've, yeah, I think there was actually on Rise of the Resistance, there was like a um, like a little pre-show area that we walked past, and yeah. I was like, oh, I think something is supposed to go down here. Did so. you, Rachel? Did you go on the submarine ride? Um, so I am obsessed with the submarine ride. Jacob hates it. I know. This is easy. This is our disconnect. This is the I I yeah. I like the submarine ride. Yeah. Why don't you like the submarine? Ride? Because it's one. I'm six foot five. Uh, Two. One person farts in there, and everyone's like, "Oh, good. So this is what the ride is now." <laughs> well, true. I'm wondering if you, how you feel about the representation of mermaids in that. <laughs> Um, I feel really shitty about it because there are no longer any mermaids in that ride. Um, oh, they just got has... rid of the mermaids altogether. Oh, you didn't know it's a Nemo? It's a Finding Nemo ride now? Yeah, I figured it would still have the mermaids. Oh, no. So then wh- what's a guy got to do to find a mermaid around the- these parts? <laughs> I mean, you just have to find Ariel, which is like, she's fine. I mean, she's there's kind nothing... of like a bratty teenager, but she's fine. 
There's the ride at there's the one in California Adventure. They have a Little Mermaid ride now. Okay, that was that's since the last time you went. The ride didn't fully did not wasn't even conceptualized. Okay, Australia. but what about the mermaids who are not little? Plenty of them too. <laughs> Regular size mermaids. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? Like I so recently just going back to Disneyland and riding the Little Mermaid ride, which is exciting and awesome. But I, I really missed like Ariel's sisters because she has like six sisters. And like when I was a kid, like the, the movie was fine and I liked it. But what I really liked was the um, the TV show, like the Saturday morning on the Disney Channel, there was a Little Mermaid TV show. And she was still a mermaid. Like the movie, like half the movie, she's not a mermaid anymore. So it's like, cool. I mean, I guess you need the plot. But like the TV show, you got to see like where they lived and like their markets and like she stuck to her roots. Yeah, it was like about Mermaid World. It was. Was it a prequel or was it like sometimes she goes back? It was a prequel. Yeah, like, she was no like a little younger. Okay. Like. Yeah. So I wanted to transition into uh, your work as a mermaid, as a regular size mermaid. <laughs> I, I can't speak to what size mermaid you are, but you're, <laughs> you certainly are one. So I've, uh, we have a few questions for you. First, awesome. I want to just clarify. So you work at a place called Dive Bar in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah, we think we're uh, cute and punny, like dive, <laughs> dive bar, like. But is it actually really classy? It's very classy. For, yeah, for those like, of you who are listening with the audio, she yeah. pantomimed putting her hands together like she was diving into water. It's diving because we're mermaids, so we dive in. It's yeah, we have chandeliers and it's very, very fancy. I've been there since we opened, um, which is over a decade ago now. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and I hire the mermaids. I train them, schedule, I costume them. Um, yeah, anything mermaidy at dive, I so put me in charge of to their you know detriment or their I don't know excellence at whatever the opposite of detriment. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you are the the head honcho mermaid mm -hmm. at that point. the bossiest barracuda yeah and, <laughs> very nice i'm wondering so you're in a saltwater tank is that correct yes a 40 foot saltwater tank it's about four and a half feet deep and four and a half feet wide so if you imagine taking like a lap lane out of a swimming pool it's kind of like taking that lap lane and sticking it up above bar and then putting live fish and mer people. Inside. So you coexist with other aquatic creatures in that mm -hmm. Like who are you friends with nowadays in the tank? <laughs> well, I actually miss them because we've been closed, right? I, I actually have gone in a couple times and just looked at the fish. We have trained aquarists who take care of the fish while we're closed or, you know, they clean the tank, do all that good oh, stuff. Aquarists? Aquarist. Yes. New word for me. So that's like an aquarium. Yeah. Yes. Our tank guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, the aquarist Jay and I, I think, are the two uh, remaining staff members at Dive Bar who've been there since we opened. So oh, wow. that's, that's, that's kind of cool. cool. But there's like 15 different species of fish. Um, they're, they're pretty chill. Like when we swim with them, they mostly stay out of our way. Uh, they have bit the mermen before on certain parts of their body, <laughs> but oh. you know, girls don't have to worry about that because we wear tops. <laughs> so, oh, oh, okay, you gotta not those parts. Yeah, I mean that. There's no really no other place I could have assumed you went. Right, because I, I, <laughs> I was thinking like, how unclothed are these men? What show is this? It's, I mean, it's very different since you've been, Jacob. No, um, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a tail in the way of the more you know delicate bits of the male anatomy but the nipples are exposed and and they've been a uh, chomp on before <laughs> interesting so the fish okay so you're saying that fish like saltwater fish I, can, I can't speak to freshwater fish but i can definitely confidently say that saltwater fish are like attracted to nipples like they think well, it's food so what they're like and it's happened to me a couple times because i have a lot of like really prominent like little moles or like marks on my body is they they think that they're like cleaning you and like it might be a little parasite that they can like oh. um I mean, so that happens and then sometimes like we also swim with a lot of underwater makeup and jewels and gems so like occasionally they'll go for the gems 
Um, but that's very rare. Like our aquarist is really great and he keeps them really well fed. So they're not really interested in like picking at us or doing anything like that. Um, the guy who's the most surprising is we have a remora and those are the kind of fish that stick on to the underside of sharks, you know, and they, they sort of like hitch a ride and like steal little bits of their food as they eat. Um, and that this remora, we named him squiggles cause he was really little when we got him. And last time I went and looked at the fish, he's probably like the size of my arm, like oh. to armpit. They grow up so fast. <laughs> they grow up so fast. And he's, he's actually really cool. Like he, he's not capable of actually like sticking to our tails because they're textured with the scales, you know, like sharks have smooth um, skin. So like he can't latch onto us but he loves to swim underneath us when we're doing our shows. So it looks like, you know, he thinks we're a shark and he's, he's swimming underneath us. And I have this video of me and That's I'm awesome. doing my cartwheels in the tank and he's going with me in this like figure eight, which is really cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Very cool. That's like, uh, wait, what's the name of the species? Remora. It's like my octopus teacher, but with a remora. <laughs> <laughs> with a remora. This yeah, like this connection, this bond with this sea creature. I hope he uh, remembers us when we go back in. He's also like a little bit of a brat. The the area that we get into the tank um, can't be seen by the audience, by the public, and it's shallow. It's about like thigh height on me, and uh, it's really really dark in there. And he likes swimming in there when we're in the tank doing our thing and then you swim into this dark little chute and all of a sudden this long thing like wiggles down under you and it's it's the worst thing because you don't see him and then you have this like wiggly fish just like messing with you and like yeah, if i have to experience a wiggly fish i want to know that i'm about to experience a wiggly fish yes yes i would agree with that it's yeah there's a lot of like screaming that happens luckily the the music at Dive is usually really loud, so the audience can't hear <laughs> the mermaids. Do you, do you know anything about how Dive Bar was conceptualized? Are, are there, and are there many other establishments that do the same thing? Yeah, so Dive Bar, we're, we have, um, we've had two different sets of owners since I've been working at Dive. And um, the Carpatis, George and Linda, were the original owners and the people who came up with this concept. And I think they were really inspired by um, the 1950s and 60s. There were all of these, they were called porthole bars and you could go to these and have a drink and there would be portholes or windows into a swimming pool. And you could have like lovely girls doing swim shows or sometimes there would be actual mermaids with fabric tails. Um, so I think that kind of was part of their inspiration. They were also really big, like Vegas people. So I just think that that sort of like showy, exciting thing was part of it. Um, and across the country, there are establishments similar to Dive Bar, but we're not a franchise. We're the only location that is Dive Bar in the US. Um, in Vegas, there is the Silverton Aquarium where I have guest swam, which is pretty cool. Um, they have like a, it's completely circular. It's a tank right in the lobby of their casino. I think it's about 15 feet deep. Um, they have mermaid shows. Their mermaids are on hookahs. Um, really, really nice girls, super nice. Okay. There's also the Rec Bar in Florida. And the Rec Bar is one of those uh, historical porthole show bars so the performer who works there is named medusarina or marina the fire-eating mermaid and she really was one of the women who sort of like founded and brought this modern movement of professional mermaiding like into the world um and she's been swimming there and, and she really does have like a really retro like kitschy theatrical show down at the rec bar in florida um I'm hitting all of them. Silverton, Rec Bar. Oh, and then <laughs> the like weirdest, weirdest spot is probably the Sip and Dip Lounge in Great Falls, Montana. Famously a landlocked state. But 
Uh, uh, yeah, the girls there are super nice too. I haven't been there yet. I but... don't remember who, but somebody did tell me about this place. Yeah. So I actually have heard of it. I've wow. never been to Great Falls, Montana. So so we, we got Sacramento, you said Vegas, Florida, and then, of course, <laughs> Montana. Montana, the tour. Montana, the destination of all destinations. That's... I can say that because my mom's family is from Montana. Okay. <laughs> That's the most, this is the most I've ever wanted to go to Montana, knowing this bar exists. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It is actually very pretty. I've visited a couple. Okay. Yeah, and it's, you know, there are like little, um, some aquariums have mermaid bars for a while in Hawaii. There was a hotel that had um, an oceanarium restaurant that had a big tank, but they've discontinued their mermaid shows. They're under new management. Um, so it's, it's really, really like a unique, experience and each one of these little places really has a different flavor like i said medusarina in florida is really like retro and tiki and kitschy and like she's so talented um vegas is very vegas you know big and showy all of that sort of thing i haven't been to montana yet my mom actually got to go um she said she really enjoyed it you can like eat there's like food there so it's like a whole you know different thing and then you have dive bar, which is really like nightlife, sort of club-y. I don't know, Jacob, how would you describe dive? Like the, the shows are really like like athletic and a little like fun and silly, but like we're we're sort of like, because we're an adult venue, like we do right. edge more towards like sensuality, but not, uh, what's the word I mean? Like vulgar, or, you know, super rough. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very much like, like, cause I mean, because the major associations I feel like people have with mermaids is just because the biggest thing is the Disney movie um, is that it's kids entertainment. So the fact that it's a, it's a strictly adults only alcohol serving venue, 21 plus one time I, thought, I saw 50 cent there. Um, it's <laughs> I've been twice and the second time 50 cent, one of the most successful rappers of all time was giving away vodka. He was. Maybe we could talk about that later. And you were dressed as a lobster. So. I was dressed as a lobster. Okay, so we definitely will be talking about it later, possibly even um, right now. But yeah, it's. I mean, it has like it's it's a it's a club. Like I don't go to many bars that have a VIP lounge, but it had a, it had VIP sections, and I know that because I sat on a couch and a guy yelled at me. Uh, it's, it was like they're not here, dude. Why can't anyway? That's a that's a different point. I was wearing a lobster costume. Let me do what I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was very much, and it's it's in the middle of like the, the that's that drag in Sacramento. That street is a lot of like popping bars and clubs and whatnot. So it's part of that like downtown scene. Yeah, the the K Street clubs and bars and everything. And yeah. and when we first opened, um, it was really interesting because we had dive bar, we had um, a pizza venue called Pizza Rock, and then we had D Thirty, which was a dance club, dive bar's bar, but it did have a lounge, you know. And, but there was the established dance club and all three of them were owned and operated by the same owners and all three of these buildings were connected so mm -hmm. if someone wanted to they could rent out all three spaces open up everything and have it be this thing right. um in like 2016 or 17 we changed ownership and the new owners now own dive bar and d30 and we've got Pizza Rock just stuck in the middle of us. <laughs> so like, we aren't, you know, physically connected anymore, which is a little weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting to have like seen the progression of, of these buildings. And these buildings are cool because Sacramento is, you know, it's a really interesting historical city. And these are historical buildings. Like if you look at the back of our buildings, there are old um, turn of the century like advertisements for who was in these buildings, you know, clothing manufacturers or whatever, like the brick facades in our basements are crazy. And like, there's a lot of creepy underground tunnels, like in Sacramento that I'm sure if we knocked down one of our basement walls, they would connect. And like, it's, it's really, really cool to be in like a building with so much history and be making this new Sacramento history on K Street. I've spent close to no time in Sacramento, but you're selling it for me, Tr truthfully. Like I, I want to go check it out next time I'm up in the Bay Area. I mean, honestly, I it's so weird because I, I grew up in Yosemite National Park and and I'm really connected to like the Sierras and like I feel like a country, not even a country girl, like a mountain girl. 
but Sacramento feels small towny because the businesses are so interconnected. Like Midtown is really wonderful. Sacramentans, Sacramentoians, I don't know what we're called. They're, they're foodies, you know, and working at Dive Bar for over a decade and then launching the Mermaid Convention here. Like the businesses really responded to that. And like the city participates in this like silly mermaid thing. Like it, it's given back a lot to me. And like, I feel like it's given back all of this stuff that I put into it. And like, there, there's like, like Old Town looks like a gold rush town, like a Victorian, you know, like you, and there's like all of this gold panning history and there's a riverboat that you can sleep on. Like, it's oh. really cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can sleep on it? You can sleep on it. It's a hotel. It's like a floating hotel. There's a theater. Like I did a one New Year's there and they had like a 1920s like themed event where everybody dressed up. It's so cool. There's there's the Rind, which is a wine and cheese place that I want to eat at like every day, but I don't because, you know, gotta gotta have something other than cheese, I guess. In your well, diet. it'll give you cramps before you swim. Yeah, yeah right? I mean, oh. You mentioned the conventions and I want to get to that. I just had one more question about your work at Dive Bar. Actually, two more questions. The first oh, is, how long can you hold your breath? <laughs> this is always the question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we probably average like 45 seconds which doesn't sound like long um but there is we were trained by a professional mermaid in la when we first opened and she taught us about misdirection and showmanship under the water and what is important um which is all in your face and not looking you know puffy cheeked panicked while you're under there or being quick like it's all about moving really really slowly rising slowly even if you are feeling like you're dying because as soon as you're shooting up the illusion that you are an aquatic creature is gone right because then the audience is thinking oh she's running out of breath she needs to go up right but if you're just doing your thing or you're waving at someone you're blowing bubble kisses, you're playing with, we have a ton of props that we play with underwater. The audience isn't thinking, oh man, she's been holding her breath for this long. They're thinking, whoa, it's really cool that she blew a bubble and it's a circle or, oh, ha ha, she's combing her hair with a I would, be, I would be that guy the whole time. <laughs> like any movie or something or like a live event where somebody's like trapped underwater I'm just like, uh, no, 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 get to the surface. Yeah. I don't, like, and then I start holding my breath. Yeah, The Abyss. That James Cameron movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do that too. For movies, I definitely do that too. But so, I don't know. Come, come to Dive Bar. We'll see. Although now you're thinking about it, so you'll probably remember to time us. So it seems like you consider yourself more of a performer rather than an ambiance. Because I'm saying that because, like, my experience as a professional musician, there were times when the patrons of the bar were just like, oh great, we have something to talk over now. And like, it was just, you know, this shit like in the background and just sort of like set the mood. But what you do, like there's shows, there's scheduled shows with an audience, is that correct? There are, yeah. And it's it's interesting because there's, well, there's a couple different things happening. We have done, and Jacob's seen these too, we've done choreographed shows to music that are telling a story and it's very like linear, um, different things happen at different music cues. We have an amazing uh, light system that like we can choreograph to music cues too, which is really, really cool. But as far as like the ambient thing, like if the, the patrons are really like locked in on us, it depends when you come. If you come like 11 p.m. onward, yeah, we're pretty ambient because it's it's really like that club party atmosphere and and it's it's really really loud and people are like dancing and having fun from 11 p.m forward in the day yeah it's a show and everybody's locked in they've got phones they're all looking at the mermaid they're all talking about the mermaid um i was going to say something else about the club atmosphere situation who would just be like get to the surface you need to get to the surface. You, you don't, don't have to do this. You. you don't have to do this. <laughs> I know what's best for you, and you need to get to me right now. Oh, that's 
That's what I was going to say. So when Lyndon came and she taught us, she did teach us free diving techniques. She started as a free diver before she became a professional mermaid. And we were doing two minute static breath holds, which is static is just still, right? So just laying on the ground. Cause when you, even when you're holding your breath, you're using up oxygen by moving your body. So that was awesome. Like I felt like a superhero, like I hold my breath for two minutes, but without practicing that over and over like that, I, I don't think I could do that right now. Like with my skills being as pandemic-y as they are. Don't sell yourself short. You are a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> because that is absurd to hold your breath for two minutes. Yeah, like, right. uh, makes me nervous. I mean, I feel like Houdini. There was something about Houdini that he could hold his breath for like not much longer than that. And that Houdini's whole thing was being underwater for incredibly long periods of time. Some of these free divers are pretty amazing. Like they can do five minutes static breath holds. Oh, yo! There was an episode of Human Planet where this guy would, was swimming underwater. Have you seen the show? I don't it was, think so. like, it was kind of like I think it's narrated by David Attenborough, and it's it's oh. but it's about like people in different extreme communities. And the first episode is about water. Um, and this guy, yeah, free diving, exactly. Yeah. I, I was like, where have I heard that term before? Yeah, he he throws a knife in his mouth and he swims down super deep. I feel like we follow they follow him with the camera uninterrupted, one continuous cut for maybe seven minutes before he goes up for air. That's amazing. That's just like. Yeah. You can find just that clip on YouTube. Dude, you want to have a, a crisis. You want to... <laughs> Check yeah. this shit out. Dude, I'm I'm down for a crisis. <laughs> I'm, describing, one. I'm describing this to you and you're like, don't talk about this. <laughs> a little bit. It's like, can we just talk about the Saw movies or something? <laughs> I'd rather deal with that. I want to transition into mermaid culture because first of all, I want I want to hear from you what that is. And I want to know, has your work at Dive Bar been a gateway to mermaid culture for you? Or were you, have you been a mermaid all along? And have you secretly been a mermaid? I mean, I think that there, the mermaid is such an interesting archetype, right? Um, just throughout history. Like there's no culture on earth that does not have a mermaid or mermaid adjacent deity or myth or legend or elemental, any of these things. Right. Um, and I feel like for me, when I grew up and when the generation of people, I was going to say women, but I think people um, who are interested in mermaids now, you know, we had Splash. We had Little Mermaid. We had the 13th year on the Disney Channel. We had all of these different things in media that were coming out that influenced us like pretty young. Um, I would say for me, Splash was the really big one because I mean, come on, Daryl Hannah. There was the mermaids in Hook, right? That like, I think it's probably like a three minute scene or whatever, but like obsessed with that scene. Still, I'm actually planning a project next month around that scene. That's going to be pretty cool, but it's, there was all this media and I feel like that encouraged me to look more into like myths and legends. I still have a book from the Scholastic Book Fair that was mermaid stories around the world. That's like my favorite mermaid book ever. Um, Scholastic, book, I feel yeah, like, Scholastic Book Fair, for real. Yeah, for, wait, <laughs> let, I think so. I, you know, I have no evidence of this, but I feel like they stopped doing it. I feel like there's just, they're like, we don't need to bring books into schools and sell them to kids. That's, yeah, I can tell that that's, that was purchased in the 90s. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's that. I think that, um, you know, having this like childhood connection, but also I was born in Hawaii and my family are like water people. So doing a lot of swimming and, you know, that was always part of it. Again, my family are also performers. So like when, I think I was in high school, in high school, yeah, I don't know, Jacob, do you, can you date me on this? For, oh, no. oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was like, mom, who's a seamstress, can you make me a mermaid tail? I can swim in. And she was like, you're going to drown. But okay, that's, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, cool, did this, I'm like, well, I, I might kill you, but all right, let's see how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was like, whatever. Like. Everything. Yeah. Um, so I had this tail and like we traveled with it for, you know, family vacations or whatever. So I had all these photos. So by the time I graduated college, 
a friend found the listing for the dive bar and sent it to me and I actually had like a little mermaid resume right because I had been swimming in this homemade tail for a while and I feel like the early 2010s like the mermaid thing started getting big the same way that the vampire thing was big you know for a while like there's and it's it's still happening there's sort of this like mermaid unicorn situation happening maybe that was in relation to the vampires i don't know maybe people were like oh i'm tired of red and black like let's do blue and purple for a while i don't know if, if i'm thinking about other mythological creatures having their own subcultures vampire was the first thing that came to my mind too mm -hmm. yeah there's probably is there like a like a sasquatch <laughs> group or? there's definitely a werewolf group there's oh, definitely yeah. like i mean which which well i mean the, there's the big one that i feel like we're dancing around and that's furries oh god yeah we gotta we, we can talk about that little intersectional thing if you want i'm not really in that world much but yeah of course but like i mean we can't deny that it's like, it's sort of like a like a like a, an alternate self with like power uh, okay well sure like superheroes that's it's, i mean th that's a similar idea yeah. an alternate I mean, self super with uh, non-human abilities right yeah. right there are so many like little things that mermaid world touches right you have cosplay and you have comics and you have art and you have conservation and you have um like ocean rights world. like all of these things yeah like ocean conservation mm -hmm. yeah superheroes don't get back like that that's a cool thing <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what I, you know, actually that I was going to say vampires, but actually, um, I've been to a number of vampire, I know of a number of vampire themed, uh, blood donation events. So actually oh. you have their own. Good job vampires. That's yeah. Great. You know, they found their thing. That's great. What, I mean, do furries do anything to contribute to the community? Like mm -hmm. they, they support local animal shelters. Actually, I think that I, I'm, I'm not a member of the community. And I have a good friend. We don't hang out as much anymore just because he moved. But I was good friends for a long time with someone who was all up in it. And yeah, they do have some hand in like animal conservation, like endangered species stuff. Oh, Maybe yeah, that makes it. sense. Like, yeah. save the tigers, and then I'm going to dress up like a tiger. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, I feel like anything that has a convention, you kind of have to have a, philanthrop a philanthropic wing. Right. Is that, well, I guess this is as good a time as any to get into the convention. Uh, the California Mermaid Convention. Could you tell us about uh, how that developed? The California Mermaid Convention. Um, that was really my. Oh, I, it's so like convoluted to like jump into how this thing was born. Um, the Sacramento Promenade of Mermaids, which is also over a decade old, um, started around the time Dive Bar opened and uh, was inspired by the Coney Island Mermaid Parade, which is this big, crazy festival parade, crazy costumes, lots of like boobs <laughs> everywhere. That's been going for, I want to say maybe a century. Oh yeah. Yeah. Forever and ever. It's, I, I really want to go out to it, but um, it's always when I have another event happening. Sure. So it was inspired by that, but more of like a family friendly, like Sacramento flavor promenade. Um, so Dive Bar started participating in that. Um, in 2014, we had a collaboration with uh, the Mermaid Atlantis, who's a professional mermaid in San Francisco and a good friend. Uh, and she was putting on an underwater fashion show at Dive Bar. And as we planned this, we realized, oh, uh, we planned this fashion show the day before the promenade. So why don't we just work with the promenade and we can call it Sacramento Mermaid Weekend make it cute so things just sort of got out of control after that <laughs> and and built and built we started adding um children's swims at the hyatt where parents could sign up their kids to swim with a mermaid for an hour and all of these other different events we did a big party at like an after party for the promenade at the dive bar and all of these different things um and so in 2018 my fiance, who was a professional pirate, coincidentally, <laughs> um, <laughs> was like, you know, you have this amazing, 
pool of talent and resources, Sacramento Mermaid Weekend could be bigger. It could be a full on convention and event. He was like, you could do this. You could, you know, so really he was like the little spark lighting that fire and it it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Um, it, it was so cool. And it's the first mermaid convention in California. Um, the second one on the West Coast, the very first mermaid convention was in Vegas in like 2012, but it's never been back. Like it was a one year thing. Um, and then all the other conventions have been on the East Coast and I have been able to travel out there. Um, I gave a lecture on mermaids in media, so TV, film, movies, um, and I performed at some of those. So it was, it was neat to sort of see how they worked and figured out what I liked and what I didn't like and what I wanted and didn't want. Um, and one of the mermaids that works with me at Dive Bar, um, Ashley, had her own kids party company that was pixies so like fairies and she came on board as my business partner and we really built the uh, 2019, 2019 convention together and like made it this really cool thing with of course help from uh my fiance who's a producer and merman jacks who's a producer and then last year we went digital which was a big old like about face because we had planned everything the venue was booked performers were booked we were ready to go but then of course you know pandemic um but last year was cool because it made the convention international like we had mermaids from ireland and canada and brazil and all of these different places who were able to access these events that they might not have been able to like physically fly out to come to so that was really, really neat. And that really helped us build a community and um, build a foundation for year round events. So since the digital convention, we've been putting out content on our YouTube page. We've had classes year round um, and we're building up to do a hybrid convention this summer. So some digital events and a few safe in-person events. <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 of, been an interesting like. You get the best of both worlds, I. Assume. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> well, and this year we're there's a um, convention in Belgium, and a mermaid friend that I have in Belgium runs that convention, so we're actually partnering with them for a few of our online events this year. It's pretty cool, nice. like having this like sister con happening. So that's neat. <laughs> So, okay, forgive this question. Um, do you, is this an identity for you? Like, like do, do you see yourself as a mermaid? I know that's what you do professionally, but do you identify as a mermaid? I always think this is a really interesting question. Um, I don't personally like identify as a mermaid. I do feel that I am a professional mermaid it does take up probably like 85% of my brain space most days. Um, but I, like I'm Rachel, I'm also a hula dancer and an illustrator and I like to backpack and like it, I get a little uncomfortable with like it being my entire um, identity and how I identify myself. But that um, is that's, that's not like true of everybody. And like, I don't think it's a bad thing if somebody does identify like wholly as the merfolk. Um, but for me, it just, it, uh, I, I feel like it's limiting, right? Like, like people are so many different things and mermaids are so many different things, but I, I don't want to put myself in that little like clamshell. It's stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I feel like that. <laughs> I guess I'm just, I'm just wondering because like Jacob was telling me about it and he's just like no dude like there are people who self-identify as mermaids yeah and I'm like okay I mean that's cool I just like most of these people have legs <laughs> right so like how do you how how do you circumvent that I guess like do you just wear the tail wherever you go I mean, there's an easy out with that is like, and I use it at kids parties a lot, right? Cause kids, are you a real mermaid? Are you a real mermaid? Nah. Are you a real, do you have legs? 
I'm like, well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes if I get really, really dry, I can have my legs. And they're like, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Real mermaids have tails. And I was like, did Ariel have legs? And they're like, like she did. And yeah. a lot of. And Splash. And like a lot of mermaid fiction is about like going back and forth. Right. Like selkies, right? Yeah. And be seals and they can walk on land. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but there are. Uh, what are they? I think they're Brazilian, Brazilian mermen who walk around on land and are great dancers and like seduce ladies and they turn into that like pink Brazilian river dolphin, like that, like specifically that. Oh, wow. Dolphin. So I'd like, there's all of this stuff, right? And, and there I've met through the convention and through my work at Dive Bar there are a lot of people who self-identify as mermaids without being able to swim, without having a tail, without, you know, if, if there's someone that feels really connected to this archetype, it's, it's the same thing as people really connecting to the vampire thing, like we talked about, or fairies or, you know, whatever their thing is, their D and D character, right. Is their true self. Like it, it, it's something I feel like to, project yourself on or aspire to or explore in like a really unique, interesting way. And I know for me, like as a, a kid, like just fun, mermaids are pretty and the ocean's great and I like swimming. But as an adult woman, I feel like they're really interesting because of this cultural worldwide legacy, um, but also because they don't fit into any environment they're in ever because they're two parts, right, of something. So their fish part doesn't belong on land and the lady part doesn't belong in the sea. And it's this like, as a female, it's, you know, you never really feel like your body is right or it's doing what it should be or it's being viewed the right way and you don't really fit anywhere. And like, you know, there's a lot of like awkward adolescent stuff with mermaids, but they're also this like, desired sex symbol too like it's a really interesting thing this mermaid thing is like really layered and deep and cool i think <laughs> right. and like the, i mean you definitely you've mentioned that there is a sexual component to it mm -hmm. but you can't like she's fish right, <laughs> right. So uh, like, sure. <laughs> like she's also like you know on one hand like if you're a young girl and you aspire to be the mermaid like nothing bad can happen to her because there's nothing there to do anything bad to right or like yeah. she's unattainable like it's there's so much cool stuff like i don't know i think about this a lot this is probably more than you ever wanted to like delve into <laughs> well you, i mean you've probably gotten every single one of the questions like everyone's all, like the, the idea of the reverse mermaid you know, <laughs> top half fish, bottom half legs. Yeah. Yeah. How would that work? Eh, they make it work. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, there's like, yeah, there's so much. I actually did a, a really fun uh, reverse mermaid burlesque number for the convention. Did you? You haven't seen that, right, Jacob? No, I don't think so. That must be twenty. But I must. So know. I, <laughs> I start um, over the tank, and I'm wearing heels and like uh, fishnet stockings and like this little like bikini bottom thing and I like lower myself like my feet in and then I'm like kicking legs and it's like you know da, 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 and then I drop in and I've got like this fish head and it's great. <laughs> it was awesome it's like it was so good I love that idea there's also oh, and so I wanted funny. to it's so weird it's it's so there's so many things and like briefly like the again like the mermaid body thing like we have a lot a large proportion of our merfolk community is queer and especially non-binary, right? Because no genitalia, merfolk, like that's something that's like really big for people to explore too. So there's lots of lots of cool different stuff. I'm just thinking about how mermaids reproduce and like, we don't need to <laughs> talk mean, about it. Pretty good if a fish do it. So, I mean, I feel like mermaid on mermaid. I mean, but that gets into like, are mermaids fish or mammals? Like, or, eggs. Or like sharks yeah. like is there like a little like like shark egg sack thing i don't know i, I don't know i'm certainly not the guy <laughs> to decide that i feel like According it's to the movie the lighthouse which came out a couple years ago have you either of you seen that with willem dafoe yes with william dafoe and as mermaids 
there's Mermaid, and she is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some options on Mermaid reproduction in that movie if you choose to uh, experience that movie. It was really good. Like, I heard it's really cool and creepy. Uh, it was it was really beautifully filmed. Um, the Mermaid was amazing. I saw it with a couple girlfriends, and when it ended, <laughs> one of my friends said, "Well." That seems like a movie a man would make. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty. It was very pretty. The mermaid was great. Are, is there a rivalry between mermaids and mermen? Um, I don't think so. Like, and I know I, there's a lot of people in between. You said like there, there's a lot of non-binary mermaids. Yeah, there's like, a lot. That, that and might be a moot point, but I can just imagine like <gasps> the mermen coming in like retroactively like the mermaids have done all of the fucking work you know all of the i was gonna say leg work but all all of the the, the flute work. <laughs> leg work <laughs> <laughs> you dick and then, and then the mermen just came along they're just like oh this is our thing now yeah. i mean actually it's sort of the opposite like the there are less mermen than mermaids in the community like mermen are becoming more prominent um my friend Merman Jacks, who's a producer of the convention, works in LA. He is the like top of his game, professional mermaid, and it's such a niche market that it's it's a big struggle, right? To market yourself as a merman and get people to hire you and take you seriously. He was in a um, I don't know if you've seen it, there was a Jack in the Box national commercial where it was like weird stuff is going on late at night and jack is like why is there a mer merman in the pool and that's my friend like yes <laughs> yes i remember that yeah so that's, that's rad <laughs> yeah, he's great so there there is this like to create space for like our mermen like that's had to be a conscious thing and and something that um the convention and you know any group that I work with, like Dive Bar, we've always had mermen because people love it. Like, like they love the mermaid, but when the guy comes in the tank, game I'm, over. I'm just glad that men are finally being represented <laughs> in, in the community. In the mer merfolk community. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's that. This is this is yeah, absolutely the only subculture I can think of where people are like, we well, got to get more men in here. It's, not it, yeah, it's weird, right? It's yeah. so weird. That's like, I mean, speaking as someone who's had both feet in the comedy community for a long time, if somebody brought that up in a comedy circle, they'd be booed out of the room. <laughs> we gotta get more men on this festival. What are we doing? More white ones, too. More mermans. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, that. <laughs> well, most of, I mean, the vast majority of mermen are in the queer community, too. So, like, that's a big part of this as well. Sure. I know of three straight merman off the top of my head and they've all worked at dive bar and and a fourth and the third one is zoolander i completely forget we said i completely forgot about zoolander until i feel like it was the 10th time we said merman on this call where i was like oh yeah zoolander <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember that too right <laughs> throwback yeah really what would you consider to be in terms of media? Because you said you give you give a talk on this very subject, mermaid representation in media. What would you say is probably an underrated thing that a lot of people should check out, like if they want a really cool mermaid story? And also what's like the worst, like tacky, like not even so bad it's good, just like bad mermaid movie or show. I mean, I have a deep place in my heart for like all mermaid media. Right. Okay. Um, fair enough. Maybe there isn't a bad one, but especially if like, especially if it's live action and they made the effort to like do underwater filming or like put an actress in a tail. Like it, right. it can be like pretty like a uh, Magic Island, which was on Disney Channel with one of the kids from Home Improvement. There was a mermaid in that, and it's like not a good film. There's like a pizza shark in it too. Like I remember very little. Shark. Except for the mermaid stuff, but like I like she's great. So, I vaguely I recall a conversation with you where we were talking about I think the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I was like, "How was it?" And you were like, "Well, it was mermaid, so it was pretty good." Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm like not a uh, objective person, but I do, you know, also 
I like reviewing these things and ranking them. Um, I struggle with, and again, I'm not the target audience for this, obviously, but um, Barbie came out with a bunch of mermaid movies that are computer animated, um, and I'm not a fan of computer animation. Um, I've just found them to be very empty. Like, and some of those Barbie movies, like actually, like I have heard are very cute and have, you know, good plots and things, but I just, I, I didn't even watch all of them for my reviews and I feel a little guilty about it because maybe I've missed something good, but I couldn't. Um, I, I mean, I kind of doubt that there's that much. I mean, I'm sure that there's, of course, some level of substance in these films because there are professionals working on them. But at the end of the day, come on, it's a Barbie movie. There, in, in like terms of like weird cheesy stuff that like, I again, I like it just because it's mermaid, but um, there's a very, strange Russian retelling of The Little Mermaid that is live action. Um, and it was made in the 70s. So it has like a 70s aesthetic, which I adore. Um, but it's very odd. And it's in Russian and I have not found a version with subtitles. So like just watching this in Russian is like a visual experience. It's pretty darn weird. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called Rusalka, which is Russian for mermaid. Sure. Um, underrated. So if anyone hasn't seen Flash, because some people still haven't seen Flash. I don't think I've seen it. It's on Disney Plus. I watched it for the first time last year and it's a, it's a good time. Okay, but don't watch it on Disney Plus though. Well, okay, but what, what do they change besides digitally covering up Daryl Hannah's butt? Like this besides, is a besides the Muppet butt, the offensive Muppet butt. I mean, you miss Daryl Hannah's but like her butt's great. Um, yeah, the narrative was the same. Uh, so <laughs> they, but I want the butt. <laughs> yeah, want the butt. They, they actually also um, cut and edited the underwater footage, which is criminal because mm. I mean, that stuff is beautiful because there are a couple times that you see like not even nipple, but like the silhouette of a nipple as she's like swimming around. Um, but yeah, watch Splash. I don't think it's underrated, but I think because it's now an older film, like a lot of the new gen mers aren't watching it. They're watching things like uh, H2O, Just Add Water, Mako Mermaid. People, they're great. They're fine. But Splash is great. Um, I would love for more people to watch She Creature, which is an incredible mermaid horror film. What, you, what is it called? She Creature. She Creature. She like, Creature. Like she. Yeah. Got and it. then creature um great prosthetics the mermaid's fantastic it has rufus sewell swell in it the guy with like the buggy eyes who's in all the shakespearean movies he's great sure um that's really fantastic i also like killer mermaid which i think is like a polish film um another like and i'm not a horror movie person but they are so fun and campy and like she creature is actually really beautiful killer mermaid is just like campy and silly um and then lastly like any esther williams film from the 50s the 40s like merfolk need to watch those to just understand how to not have a crazy face underwater how to like move through the water like all of those are so inspiring and she did so much pioneer so that these other films could be made that like just as a foundation of being a professional if you're going to be a professional it's important to check those out um and even if you're recreational there are like because they're older films there are some like questionable depictions of various things in them but the underwater sequences are still like astounding to check out I had one last question for you, and it's kind of going back to mermaid culture. Um, we were talking about Barbies and how that's sort of, Barbies, the antithesis of body positivity. But I have to imagine that within the mermaid community, much like the burlesque community, a lot of it is about body positivity. And so you see people of all shapes and sizes and that are empowered to do this kind of thing. This yeah, kind of uh, meaning dressing up in the mermaid costumes. Yeah, that, that is a really, there's a huge body positivity movement in the mermaid community because like burlesque, we're so exposed, right? 
where our our belly button to our toes is covered, but otherwise you're in like a bikini top or you're shirtless or you're, you know, whatever you want to wear on top. Um, and yeah, it is, it is a big part of it. It's something that we're all really talking about. Um, merfolk that are really active on social media get a lot of nasty, nasty stuff said about them if they are not of a certain size or if they're of differing sizes or if they're not this you know barbie looking blonde-haired mermaid so one of the things that we do with the california mermaid convention is we have representation panels and we pick members of the community to come and talk about their experiences in the mermaid community as a recreational mer professional mer um and we try to make sure that we have representation from all of these different groups that make up so much of the community. Because you're right, there there is this, you know, the, the door is open for people to come in and enjoy this, but there's a lot of stigma because the response to curvier mermaids can be so nasty and so like awful, you know, like everyone's just having fun they're they're like grown people or sometimes kids dressing up like mermaids like it it never needs to be like this thing that people are casting judgment on like bodies or you know anything about that i just remember um going to a burlesque show once in chicago and i wasn't super into it but i just i could see the women coming off of the stage and they're just so fucking stoked that they mm-hmm. do that. And I think what you're describing also gives an opportunity for anybody to have that feeling. Being like, here I am, I'm, I'm fucking super proud of it. And like, I'm proud of where my body is. I'm proud of my identity. And like, I'm, I'm dressed as a fucking mermaid. And I'm proud of how long I can hold my breath. <laughs> you should be, because two minutes is absurd. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you, you hit, the nail right on the head like it's the opportunity to like celebrate and to like play and have fun is crazy and it is incredibly empowering there are a lot of mermaids i know who have said that coming into the community in whatever way as a professional recreational just you know through cosplay through a lot of burlesque performers are also mermaids um that it really like changed their life in many significant ways you know um whether that was dealing with body acceptance whether that was dealing with um loss or grief um i know of a mermaid who used swimming as physical therapy to help her get over physical limitations that she's had in the past so it you can really make it be this like amazing force for good and as adults like i we're sort of told that we don't get to play anymore, um, which I think is very unfortunate because you find, you know, ideas and problem solving and social skills through play and through exploring different things. So this is really, you know, a good place to do that and feel pretty cool doing it. What a cool thing. Like there's, and I don't say this facetiously, there's something for everyone. Yeah. The mermaid community. Like it's not just this exclusive club that's not inviting, or that's not inclusive to you know people who aren't. You can be a certain level of mermaid. You can be a diehard mermaid. You can be just dipping your uh, your toes or your fins in the water. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and like there, I sort of think of like the mermaid community as this like Venn diagram, right? And like obviously they're all connected. Like and again, there are mermaids who participate in this community and it's just about reading mermaid literature and maybe going out and doing a beach cleanup like there are people who identify as mermaids and they're free divers and they want to save the whales you know there's there's all of these different aspects and yeah everyone is welcome and that's one of our big things at the convention like we have three sort of pillars of the event and one of them is being stewards of the environment and like doing our river cleanups. One of them is a magic through play, which I talked about. Um, and the last one is representation and inclusion. So again, anybody can be part of this. And they should. It's fun. It's so fun. Like, who, you want to swim? Hey, 
You want to take pictures? Great. <laughs> I'm crashing at Jacob's house in LA tonight, and I think I know what we're doing with our evening. You want to watch Splash? No, I want to do mermaiding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to go to the store. <laughs> That's not at all. Fucking... Not at all the dot I connected. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm in it now. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, Rachel, for doing this. I've learned a whole lot. Uh, and it's this has been very interesting, and I, I'm happy for you that you're accomplishing all these things, you know, for the mermaid community and beyond. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, Mike. What's up? What does a mermaid use to wash her fins? What? Tide. Get the fuck <laughs> out of my house. You are the worst type of person. We're at your house right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you to get the fuck me out, out of my own home. Get just... Ugh. I get it, though. That was worse than the tomatoes joke. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Rachel Smith. Uh, I know this one was a lot of fun for me, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't, just please subscribe to this podcast. Yes, leave, please subscribe. Leave ratings and reviews. We do appreciate uh, people who tell us what they think about the show and leave reviews. It helps us grow. It helps us expand, and we love it a lot. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Peace. Peace.